0: Hello, I'm Katie Sewell, and this is A Bittersweet Moment with Tiffany Parks.
1: Hello, and welcome to The Bittersweet Life. I'm Tiffany Parks, and this is your midweek bittersweet moment. So, today I am sitting in one of my favorite piazzas in Trastevere, Piazza dei Ponziani, with an old friend, Amy Knauf. Hi! You might recognize that name uh, if you're one of our longtime listeners, because Amy was a guest on this show way back in the first season, episode number 27, Unsure. Do you remember
0: recording that episode? I do. It's a, it's a distant memory, but I remember it. Uh, do you remember what it was about? Yeah, I think it was about how Unsure I was about everything. Um, which I still kind of am to some extent, but I think back then I was considering whether I wanted to stay here or whether I wanted to move back to the U.S. I had just moved back here from Nicaragua and it was a pretty crazy time. I just totally forgot
1: until this moment that you ever lived in Nicaragua. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So clearly Amy stayed because we're in season seven now, I think. But yes, so the reason I'm talking to Amy today is because I thought I would get the perspective of someone who lived a different sort of quarantine than mine, as Katie and I mentioned so many times in our quarantine episodes. It wasn't the same for everybody, depending on what your family situation was like, depending on what your work situation was like, and your home situation. Everybody had their own quarantine experience. So I wanted to hear from someone who had a different experience for myself, although she was in the same city, Rome, of course. So tell me a little bit briefly about your home situation, if you don't mind.
0: Yes. Um, I, well, I live in Trastevere, and I live alone, so I have my own, my own place, which is really nice. That, of course, means that during quarantine, I didn't see anyone, which, well, I mean, I went out to the supermarket and uh, to the pharmacy maybe a couple of times, but that was it. So I didn't see anyone I knew, I should say. Not a single person? No, no. The I, the very first day of lockdown, or I should say the first day I didn't go into work, I saw a, a friend and we went for a walk in Villa Chara nearby, one of the parks. But then after that, it got they got stricter the decrees got stricter and so after that I didn't see anyone until I guess that was what eight eight weeks later
1: yeah I think it was May 4th
0: yeah that sounds about right so yeah I was I was very good and I stayed home self-quarantined and thought I was going crazy a little a couple times but (laughs) do you have any outdoor space like a balcony in your place no no was that hard Yeah, it was. I mean, there were ups and downs, so at the beginning it felt like you're, it was kind of like a snow day or, you know, a sick day. It was kind of, the novelty of it was sort of fun almost, and then there was the period after that where you felt like you couldn't handle it anymore, and then there was a period after that where you kind of got used to it, so there were a lot of ups and downs, I would say, throughout. Did you
1: have any, like, coping mechanisms for the sort of distance? I know I I was like, I turned to Instagram. I was like, I got to communicate with people on Instagram.
0: Did you have anything like that? For me, it was exercise, actually. And I was not exercising particularly when quarantine started, but I soon found out that if I exercised I felt so much better and the days when I skipped the few days that I skipped it I was super depressed and then the days when I exercised I, you know even if I'd been a little down at the beginning of the day as soon as I exercised, I started feeling better.
1: Oh, I have felt that as
0: well. What kind of exercising did you do?: um, I, I used uh, YouTube there's like a YouTube channel that I found um, that has great videos and sometimes you know sometimes you're feeling more energetic sometimes you want something slower it had this kind of variety of videos on it and I, I used that mostly there were some walking videos as well when I wasn't feeling so you know so in the mood to exercise but I still wanted to make sure I got that adrenaline rush in
1: now were you working from home or were you off work
0: Yes, I was working from home the whole time. Um, I didn't didn't take off work and I didn't have any, you know, forced vacation or anything like that. And I actually think that really helped because it meant that I had structure to my day. I had to stick to my working hours. So I would be up at a normal hour getting ready for work. Now the difference is, of course, then I would just sit down at my desk next to my bed. (laughs) But I think having that structure actually really helped me keep my sanity. Yeah,
1: I I felt the same way with Aurelio, having him, like, he had to eat at a certain time and go to bed at a certain time helped me keep the day uh, from just disappearing into the ether. Did you get dressed and ready for the day or did you just show up in your pajamas?
0: I would change, but I was changing into comfortable kind of workouty clothes, like yoga pants style thing. So I was ge- I was changing out of the pajamas, but I have to admit I would I would usually shower later in the day. I would exercise after work and then shower after that. So it wasn't really like my normal routine. Yeah, Katie who is a long-time work from homer
1: and her husband sometimes works from home as well. She has a personal rule. You have to put on real pants 3 times a week. I disagree. <laughs> yeah. I kind of disagree too. Yoga pants are a thing of beauty. They really are. Or mom pants as they also call them. Um, moms live in yoga pants. I think they say. Yes. I did the same. I also hung out in... Ex- Sometimes I would put a nice shirt on, but I would
0: always have the comfy pants. Oh, I would put on a nice shirt for the Zoom meeting with the <laughs> colleagues, but comfy pants on the bottom for sure. Why can't we all just agree to wear comfy pants always? Well, I'm kind of working on all that. I, I wear jeans to work a lot and I just, that's my thing.
1: Now, here's something I want to talk to you about it because during quarantine, I, especially before, you know, phase two started, I was so envious of all of my friends and all people who live in the center of Rome, who at least got to take a walk around their neighborhood and see the beauty of Rome empty. Did you enjoy that?
0: Well, during quarantine, I didn't, I really didn't take any walks and my supermarket's super close. So I didn't, I wasn't really seeing that much. Of course, once the quarantine started to lift, then I was out walking around a lot and without tourists, I mean, this is just a different city. It's, I'm, I'm finding that I'm enjoying it on a whole different level without the tourists around.
1: I totally get that. Um, We've had a lot of uh, discussions about that as well, about how we, you know, we know the tourists, you know, we need the tourists to survive. The city, not just us personally, but the city needs the tourists to survive. But it is wonderful having it for ourselves for once.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, I agree with you. You know, I know it'll be good when we get tourists coming back. But I have to say, like, just having it, I'm not a crowds person, so there are certain areas of Rome I tend to avoid because I don't want to be around the crowd. So, for example, Via del Corso, the big shopping street, it's always packed. I never go on that street, I can't stand it. I walked up it right after quarantine and it was almost totally empty and I had a new appreciation that there are some beautiful spots on that street. And just in general, I've, I've just walking around and not having crowds to kind of fight with in the streets, you, just, you notice little details that you wouldn't normally notice.
1: I agree. Every single chance that I get, I've come into the center just to... And Claudia
0: keeps telling me, you've been there. You've done that walk. I'm like, I need to go again. Yeah, every time there's a new detail. I even... I've started this project with a friend. Not a project, but this little thing we do. It's a WhatsApp group called Gape of the Day. Ooh, it's intriguing. Tell me more. And she's in London and I'm in Rome, and we're both appreciating our cities without so much tourism. And so we'll make sure to just get out once a day and just see something beautiful and take a photo of it and send it to each other.
1: Oh, I love that. You should put that up on social media if you if you like that kind of thing. I know you're not a huge social media person.
0: Yeah, I, sh- I should. I should. That's actually, I've thought about
1: that. I mean, that's actually a great hashtag. Hashtag gape of the day. Of
0: the day. That's it, Amy
1: Knopf, by the way. She invented that.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, me and my friend. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's made me, you know, even on the days when maybe I'm not quite feeling it, I will, because of this, I'll go outside and I'll even just pick one little tiny street in my neighborhood, walk up it and just look up, look around, and there's always something beautiful that maybe I've I've walked by it a million times and never noticed. I do have to say
1: that is easier to do in a beautiful city like Rome and specifically in the center of Rome. My neighborhood, it's okay. There's a lot of green in my neighborhood. There's lots of trees,
0: but there's not that much gape-worthy stuff (laughs) going on in my neighborhood. Yeah, I can understand that. And I I feel really lucky to be in the center. I mean, I I know how gorgeous it is. and Yeah, there's... If
1: you've, been, if you've been in Rome, you know what we're talking about. Now, um, last thing I want to ask you about, speaking of crowds, you recently participated in the Black Lives Matter protest here in Rome. Can you tell us a little
0: bit about that? Yeah, I went on, uh, it was this Sunday, and it was in Piazza del Popolo. They were going to have it somewhere else, and they ended up moving it because they had so much interest that I think they needed a bigger space. The organizers did a great job. They were really pushing for you know, making sure that we were socially distanced and everyone had to have a mask. They were even sometimes walking around with sanitizer for people. And um, so they were very good about that aspect. And it was really heartening because I don't remember the exact number, but I think thousands of people came out for it. It did get very, very packed at some point, um, you know, with all these people. And it it was really powerful. It was really moving. I think for me, the most powerful moment was they had us get down on one knee with a fist raise for eight minutes and 46 seconds and I mean, it had been noisy. There's t- thousands of people there, and when when everyone got down on the knee, you could hear a pin drop. All of a sudden, it just got completely silent, and that was the most powerful moment. Wow, that's cool. I wish I'd been there.
1: We had an, a guest on last week, on our last mini episode, uh, a reporter in Seattle, an NPR reporter who covered, who is been has been covering the protests in Seattle, and it's a totally you know totally different thing because he has talked about you have to be very careful about the police and not getting shot with rubber bullets and he has his recording gear as a reporter and you know he has to be careful because it looks like it might be a weapon and did you feel any fear or worry about your own physical safety particularly in
0: terms of like police coming and controlling the situation oh absolutely not no there were some police i don't remember if they were police or carabinieri there was they were there and they were very much on the edge of the piazza I'm sure that they were there just to make sure order was kept, but it was a very peaceful protest and the organizers were really good about keeping it, you know, they wanted it to stay that way. They they emphasized that they wanted it to be a peaceful protest. And I never, no, I never had any worry, anything like that.
1: That's great. But um, I do think part of that is because, and this is just me inserting my own opinion in your interview, sorry. Italian police, from what I have witnessed in my experience, I'm like, I don't go to protests because I'm afraid of crowds, <laughs> but I've seen that when I have watched video uh, on the news of protests in Italy, the police, uh, they don't get violent.
0: Well, to be honest, I don't think I've ever participated in another protest here, so I can't really give an opinion on that. But yeah, from what I saw on Sunday, I would, I would tend to agree, just based on that experience. Yeah,
1: I I remember saying to Claudio years ago, I saw little clips from an Italian protest and I was like, this is so crazy. And obviously this isn't the case in the protest that you took part in because you said it was very peaceful. But the one I saw, the protesters were being violent and the police were showing incredible restraint and they were not fighting back in any way. In America, it's the opposite. The protesters are peaceful and the police beat them up. But again, that's just me being opinionated. So I don't want to get political on here. But thank you so much for sharing some of your experiences with us and for being back on our show. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. This has been your midweek bittersweet moment. Join us again.
0: Bye. A quick reminder. We want to hear from you. There's lots going on where you are, wherever you are in the world. We want to know how you're doing what you're thinking about, what you're seeing, what you're feeling, what you're longing for, what you're missing, what you're hoping for, what you're doing. Send us a voice memo sharing your thoughts, giving us a snapshot of where you are in the world today. Tape a voice memo and send it to com. That's BittersweetLife at mail.com. We want to hear your voice. And until next week, take care. Thank you.